Good morning, church, and welcome to the final week of Advent. Today, as we light the candle of love, it reminds me of that scripture where Paul says, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, I can't claim to have some sort of divine interpretation of that scripture, and it does puzzle me. I probably spend a little too much time dissecting the text and trying to, you know, look at the original Greek and all that. Because the truth is, my problem is really not a knowledge problem. It really is a lack of understanding. Honestly, I'm just not as good at loving as I'd like to think. As embarrassing as it is to admit, I find that my love is most often far from unconditional. Faith and hope are truly difficult at times, but there is nothing so heart-wrenching as love. I have struggled to believe at times and I've even lost my faith and this has left me with dark memories. I've also had hope deferred and felt like the waves of depression were just threatening to drown me. But none of that can compare or even touch the pain of a broken heart. Though it might have been a few decades ago, I'm sure that all of you can still remember the complete agony of your very first breakup. I remember the tears and the longing feeling like it was just going to kill me. Nothing hurts like that. Some of us have felt the agony of divorce or watching our spouse suffer from cancer or a parent disappear into dementia. Others of us have experienced the tormenting pain of watching our children fall victim to the lies of Satan and the ravages of addiction. There is nothing like prodigal pain. Why? Why are these painful memories so etched into our hearts? Because the greatest of these is love. Nothing can touch its power. Empowered by love, a man can endure almost anything. But the removal of that love can render that same man completely paralyzed by pain. And for anyone who is still skeptical about the power of love, you can Google the Bucharest Project and read about the lifelong devastating effects on infants deprived of love. In addition to the social and psychological effects, the deprivation of love physically changes the makeup of the brain, stifling the growth of gray matter. But I warn you, it's a very painful read. And here's where I find my problem, pain. I hate pain. I hate all forms of pain. I love the dentist that puts you to sleep. I, the epidural as soon as possible. And you can be sure I will never be getting a tattoo because just the thought of that needle going in over and over and over, it just makes me queasy. But as much as I hate physical pain, I hate emotional pain a hundred times as much. And I have tried at least a hundred prescriptions to anesthetize that pain. Wine, work, drugs, men, in all their various forms. All attempts to outrun pain. Yet Jesus calls me out on all of that. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. It even goes so far as to say God is love. He didn't let the fear of pain stop him from creating. And he did not let the inevitability of rejection keep him from granting free will. Why? Why would he do such a thing? 
Doesn't he know how hard it is to be rejected by people, society, family, your own children? The answer is, of course he does. Yet he chose it anyway. Because God knows that as painful as rejection may be, the feeling of love freely given is so sweet, it's worth the risk. No one knows pain like he does. The parent of a prodigal, the rejected husband, our heartbreak times a billion. And in the end, he was willing to suffer the pain beyond all of us, watching his innocent child suffer. Why? Because the greatest of these is love. There have been times as of late where I have found myself pulling my heart back, not wanting to risk any more pain. I didn't realize that's what I was doing consciously. It was almost imperceptible. One small decision to self-protect after another had left me numb and dull and wondering what is wrong with me. It has taken this season to realize it. The problem with self-protection is that although it keeps out the pain, it also keeps out the love. Earlier this week, I found the pain of watching people I love hurting themselves and others just too much to bear. The wave of evil and hatred in the world just felt like it was too much for me. How do you love people who are hurting you? My heart groaned, please, no more pain. Then the Spirit, in his infinite kindness, reminded me of these words from Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This is the kind of love that makes no sense. Paul had to pray that we would even have the power to grasp it. Not just learn about it, not just talk about it, but really experience it. And it is by God's power and strength that we will be able to love. God's love is the root. I'm only the tree. I can love only because he first loves me. We don't love people when they deserve it, no. It is exactly when they don't that we understand how wide and long and high and deep God's love can actually go. Over the past four weeks, I have enjoyed this process of studying these old Christmas carols and bringing them to you in a fresh new way. Today we will end the season with a song very dear to my heart, O Come All Ye Faithful. Being translated into English in the 1700s, it uses that old archaic language that can really make us feel uncomfortable. The and ye and the ever popular yay. Because these words can throw us off a bit, I want to uh, put you at ease a little bit so you can feel comfortable. O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him born the king of angels. That's how it begins. First of all, this is a call. It's a voice crying out to all you who are faithful. All those who have said, I 
do believe. Against all odds and against all popular opinion, I believe beyond a shadow of doubt that there is a God and that he is the creator of all things seen and unseen. He will never be disproven or defeated. I may not be a perfect follower and I may suffer the pitfalls of my weaknesses regularly, but I am faithful and I have made it one more year. And because of that, I will gladly join into the procession of the faithful who joyfully consider each step with God, a triumph over all that is evil. Yes, I will come. But come where? We're invited to revisit that little town of no consequence whatsoever, where our great God of creation chose to reveal himself to mankind. And when he did so, he did not come sitting on a throne in a palace or with a great pomp and ceremony or gold crowns and scepters, but as a baby born to a carpenter and a peasant girl in a barn surrounded by hay and wrapped in rags. The king of angels in this one act simultaneously fulfills some 200 prophecies, reaching back hundreds, even thousands of years without lifting a sword or a scepter Jesus Christ emerges as the most significant figure in human history. Come and behold him. Verse two brings to mind those joyful images we talked about last week of angels singing in exultation, calling on every citizen of heaven to join in, perhaps referring to that great cloud of witnesses that is continually urging us on. Finally, Verse three begins with that old Anglican term, yay, which in the simplest terms just means yes. But in this case, you should definitely picture it in text talk with at least five or six S's followed by a few exclamation points. Yes. <laughs> yay, Lord, we greet thee becomes yes, God, you are most welcome. You came to my rescue just when I had all but ruined my life completely. But beyond all of the verses, the simple chorus, O come, let us adore him, is really the heart of this carol, and it is the beat of my own heart. Today, much of the world will celebrate the birth of Christ. To one person, it will mean watching Christmas uh, movies with their family. To another, traditional foods and music. And yet to another, it will mean enjoying a day off from work. But to me, it is simply Jesus. When I chose to follow Jesus some 28 years ago, I said the words, Jesus is Lord. Although I could never have known all that would mean, I can honestly say that to the best of my ability, I pledge to follow him through thick and thin, for better, for worse, in richer and poorer, for sickness and health, you might say. Through the years, there have been plenty of all of those things and I have sought pain relievers along the way. Yet when I find myself despondent again by the state of the world or depressed by the state of my own soul, deep calls to deep and my soul is reminded to look to Jesus instead for he alone is worthy. When my earthly mind is searching for answers and my heart is broken again by the ravages of the enemy, this chorus beckons me, O oh, come, let us adore him. 
and somehow by this simple act of adoration, my soul finds rest again. In the midst of a life dedicated to helping as many people as possible find their place in God's story, these moments and seasons of simple adoration are a must. Though our modern Christmas season brings with it an avalanche of activity, both benevolent and selfish, we will do well to stop and take the time to bow with all of creation at the manger. It really is as simple as that. <laughs>